0: Hey there, Essential people. Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Plaster. Today's guest, a man I've been following for a long time by the name of Ben Greenfield, legitimately one of the most intelligent people I can think of. Um, You know, I think I end up telling him in the podcast that I end up rewinding a lot of things, especially when he's on Rogan's podcast and a lot of things that he says, I just have to go back and listen again because uh, the things that are in this man's brain especially when it comes to health and fitness he's a best-selling author uh, one of the most influential people in health and fitness on the planet Uh, co-founder of a brand named Kion has a new book out right now that we talk about as well, all around genius, all around great guy, great dad and uh, fun, even though it was a quick interview, it's uh, still some great perspective, so give it up for Mr. Ben greenfield and we will go live with mr ben greenfield my brother thank you so much for taking the time to pour into this youth man i very much appreciate it oh well thanks for having me on i I gotta tell you i can quite honestly i'm gonna i can honestly say you're one of the most intelligent people that i can think of man I, i watch so much of your stuff and i've followed your conversations and your work for so long and you may be the person that i rewind the most (laughs)
1: Well, intelligence is all relative. Don't ask me any questions about (laughs) politics, Uh, cryptocurrency, Hollywood. I, I, I'm mildly intelligent in the realm of health but that's about it
0: yeah uh, yeah mild is uh yeah milds an understatement but yeah no I, I fully agree with you on all the rest of that too man so um, again appreciate you taking the time to pour into these kiddos and everything goes back uh, all sponsorship all that money goes back into uh, into the youth here in the Sacramento area man so uh, and I know you're a Pacific Northwest guy too so we're relatively close man so I appreciate you taking the time so it's good stuff so We'll start with the easy one, man. Number one, who inspires Ben Greenfield? Anybody that's been kind of a mentor to you as you've gone on and, and done some incredible work?
1: You know what? I'm I'm one of those guys who always has a disappointing answer to this question because <laughs> I really have have never had much of a mentor. Probably a part of that is that I was homeschooled growing up and really kind of grew up with this mentality of carving my own path and turning yeah. to things like books, particularly uh, as, as a, as a mentor, so to speak, I have a massive library, both on my Kindle and at home books are everywhere. If there's ever a down moment in the Greenfield house, somebody has their nose in a book or they're listening to an audio book or they're reading a Kindle book. And I consider books to be my primary form of mentorship. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I've, I've, I've kind of taken that independent route. I'm not saying that's the best way to go, but sure. for me, you know, there are just so many people who probably would never give me the time of day, right? Like, uh, let's say, like a, a Charlie Munger or, sure. <laughs> uh, or, you know, or, or any number of, of, the, of the prophets and, and, and philosophers you would find in, in Stoic writings right. or in the Bible or, or any of these other books, you know, or people who might be dead who I can't talk to. You know, so, so for me, I find that I can get a great deal out of books. And, you know, as a matter of fact, a lot of times, you know, people will approach me for mentorship and I'll be thinking, you know, when they're asking me questions, I'm like, well, I've written that down. I've written that down. That's right. a book. And half the time what you're asking a mentor, they've, they've kind of already put down in writing somewhere.
0: Yeah. True story, man. No. And I, and I think that's a phenomenal thing. And we talk about that quite a bit. We've had a number of guests that have said a similar thing. And I can honestly say a lot of the the people kind of like you that I would consider mentors. It was, it was a book I've read and whether these are are people who have actually done real work and put things out or they could even be fictional characters and and you know just the the, the story, the lessons that you learn from their life you know kind of uh, take on this permanent role in your own psyche. so I think that's incredibly valuable and we're all for homeschoolers, man Acton Academy plaster that you know the, uh, that I own and launched out here in uh, Northern California. It is a giant conglomerate of, of homeschoolers and co-ops, so we're all for it, man and I know you homeschool your own kids too, yeah. I do. That's awesome, man. No, we're all all for it. So, the the second question is really around the topic of self confidence. And so, um, you know, you you've been on some some interesting stages. I've seen some phenomenal talks that you have given. Um, you know, you've you've had conversations with with a, a lot of great people, and you've always come across. I mean, part of it is that you're an extremely intelligent. You're also a, a very humble guy, and you're a well accomplished guy too. Um, but that journey of self confidence. What did that look like for you? Were you always kind of a confident individual or is that something you've kind of cultivated over time?
1: Well, I'm introverted. And it's interesting because if you read a book like Susan Cain's, The Power of Introverts, yep. introverts don't necessarily have a great deal of inherent confidence or at least tend to be a little bit more shy about being confident in front of people. But really what I, what I learned from that book and other writings on on the way that introverts work is we do tend to be very good at adopting certain personalities Mm. and then uh, projecting those personalities from stage or from behind a microphone or in writing. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, when I step onto a stage, for example, I might look to be overbrimming with confidence, but it's because I've created a stage persona yes, that sir. is Ben Greenfield, the health expert, or Ben Greenfield, the you know the the inspirational fitness enthusiast, or Ben right. Greenfield, the biohacker, you know the scientific nerdy guy. And so I, I'll create a persona, and then the cool thing about introverts is. You know, we, we tend to be able to to act quite well and to fit into that role. And it's almost, uh, in, in a positive way, kind of like a fake it till you make it type of mentality. Right. Meaning that you become and you act like the person who you want to be or the persona that you want to project. And eventually, you kind of become that. And so, you don't start necessarily Overbring with confidence, but you instead say, okay, this is, this is who I am. This is who I am going to project. And I've found that, you know, eventually what happens is you just kind of become that person with that type of approach. That's probably one of the the biggest things for confidence, giving myself permission to overcome imposter syndrome and to simply be and give myself permission to be who it is that I want to project. And then it's almost like manifesting confidence because if that's who you're projecting, you form yourself into that person or into that persona. So so, so really good. for me, that that's how I've developed confidence.
0: So good, man. So I've given uh, over 300 keynotes here in the last six years and uh, I can say without a doubt, especially at the beginning. I, I remember um, kind of stepping off stage uh, quite a few times, going, "Man, I, I really, you know, I've obviously been listening to so and so lately because I, I very much kind of took on their personality that way." And one of the biggest compliments I ever got is, is uh, "I don't remember where I was, but I got off stage and um, jumped in a car with with they were taking me back to the airport, one of the clients, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, like." That was fantastic, and and once you started talking, then I realized who you were, and I remember just reading your book, Crush It, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 that's not that's not me. That's a <laughs> that's a different. But I had been listening to a whole bunch of Gary, you know, Vaynerchuk recently, yeah. and um, so I, I mean, I get that. I think it's so true, and and I I love that. And I was talking to a mutual. Um, I think mutual friend of ours, uh, Rob Wolf, in the health and Fitness space, he's gonna be a future guest on here too. and he was saying something very similar as well. So I think that's actually well, it's very it's, it's a
1: little bit of it, it's deemed almost like a chameleon like yeah. talent where you know to to give an extreme example, I often travel the world to speak. I just returned from India. I'll go to, to, to Thailand or to England or to any number of these countries where people do have distinct vocalizations and accents and personalities. Right. And I find that when my airplane touches down within about 30 to 60 minutes, I'm already talking like, and moving like the people who happen to live or operate where I'm at. And, And so, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a strange habit that you tend to see quite often again, uh, particularly in, uh, in introverts. And this is why a lot of introverts also tend to be good actors.
0: So good. So interesting that, that you connected to the acting too. I, I really, really like that. So is there anything with doing all this speaking, do you still get, um, any kind of anxiety as far as doing that, getting on the stage as a natural introvert? Is that something that still makes you anxious or is there anything else? I mean, you're a phenomenal athlete too, a very accomplished athlete in a number of arenas. I know Spartan races are a big thing for you too. And, um, so is there anything that still kind of gives you the jitters?
1: I think that just like reading is a muscle. yeah. And if you take a long time off of reading, sometimes it's difficult to jump back in with the speed of reading acquisition that you might have had had you not been reading every day. Same thing with writing. Writing, say, 200 words a day I think is far better than writing 2,000 words on, say, a Saturday because of that. And speaking very similarly, I thought and have thought at times – that I am not an anxious speaker and that I have supreme confidence on stage as inherent built in ability. But then occasionally, you know, such as during this coronavirus, uh, quarantine is a perfect example. Yeah. I'll not be on stage for many weeks or many months. Yep. And that first time back I do get anxious. Yeah. I do get nervous. And so I, I think part of it is the more you're on stage and the more frequently you're putting yourself into situations where you're in front of people, the, the more the anxiety kind of melts away because it's a natural place for you. Yep. And I've even been doing things like live Instagram stories or Facebook live events where I am in front of people. And, and at the back of my mind, I do have that realization that that's allowing me during this long period of time between speaking events mm-hmm. to maintain that comfort of speaking often in, in an impromptu manner uh, to, to to people in a in a public facing way, so Super I think fun. that that part of anxiety and reduction of anxiety is just practice, 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 and being on as many both small and large stages you can get on, and even digital stages. I think count for that to a certain extent.
0: I think you're right. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, that's that's something that. Um, again as a speaker that's something I fully agree with that's the weirdest thing for me during this whole thing is thinking okay when I get back on stage but um, even just doing some of the live videos we've done for the school or whatever that is um, yeah actually absolutely makes a difference so I fully see that Um, the the next question is is it's not even one that I necessarily want to ask you because it's asking the, the people about their specific physical disciplines and if health and nutrition and exercise plays a role uh, in their success. You have made uh, quite an impact culturally in that arena altogether. So I wonder if you would just uh, any trends that you've seen for the youth. Again, this is our focus group is 13 years old to 22 years old. A lot of my clients, like the Air Force and, and some of my military clients, are saying, "Man, we're seeing this declination in physical ability in the youth that's coming in." So I would be interested in your perspective in that. Do you feel like um, young people are getting less and less activity at, at this point? How do you feel about that?
1: I don't know. The metrics go back and forth yeah. on physical inactivity versus yeah. activity, and I think some young folks, probably the type of folks who are listening to a show like this or viewing a show like this, are a little bit more self actualized and perhaps sure. more aware of bettering both their, their minds and their bodies. Uh, ha- however, here, here's where I think the biggest problem is, especially with, with young people, and I've been really careful with my own boys uh, regarding this, and right. that is that idea that you need to go to a gym or you need to go to a health club to right. get fit. And this idea that you need a, a perfect little box to step into in order to be fit is just a complete evolutionary mismatch when you look Mm. at the way humans have operated for thousands of years hunting foraging gathering moving throughout the day lifting things taking breaks to build a fence or a rock wall or you know or occasionally run from a lion or go to battle like physical activity should be woven into one's day as just part of the day right stops to walk stops to do push-ups stops to to perhaps lift something heavy you might have out in your garage And, and sure based on post-industrialization, we are relegated to sitting more and we do have these more indoor lifestyles and there are certainly blessings because of that. But it also means that we have to creatively hack our environments with things like treadmill workstations and kettlebells littered around the home or the office and pull-up bars in the door frames and and ways that we can stay active throughout the day. And I think the, the best thing one can do to stay fit for life is to approach the entire world is a playground, yes. and you know if if someone rings you on the phone, you don't have to sit on the couch to take that call, right? You can step outside in the sunlight, go walking around, take the call, get back from the call, drop and do 30 push-ups, get back to what you were doing, All and right. so it's that type of mentality that I, I think really serves one through life. Versus this idea that oh, I didn't work out today because I couldn't get to the gym, right. which is just it's it, it's 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 really kind of a uh, handcuffing our ability to be able to stay fit throughout the day. This idea that a health club or a gym and, and, and that might be a, another hidden blessing of this whole, you know, coronavirus pandemic is a lot of people are realizing, oh, I don't have to drive 20 minutes to the gym and battle the traffic and overcome exactly. the decision-making fatigue of the hundred different machines. I've got push up, squats, lunges, and a pull-up bar at my house. I can say as fit as a fiddle all day long, yeah. you know, wherever I'm at.
0: Yep. I just talked to, uh, I talked to one of my friends last week who was a a former guest to Irwan LaCour, um, who I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with. And and he was saying a very similar thing. He's saying, man, this could be, end up being a a giant blessing for humanity to get back to the roots of understanding that movement, movement matters. And we've been these, you know, he calls us zoo animals, human, human zoo animals, whatever he calls us. But, um, he was saying very much a similar thing. I think it's been, I, I think you're right. I think it could be a blessing in disguise. I love that. So, uh, question number six: Hard work is can sometimes be kind of a hard to define thing. But if we're looking at these youth who are coming out in this Genesis, the Genesis of this question was based around the fact that a lot of the Fortune 500s I've worked with too have have been saying, "Man, we got a lot of these really smart kids coming out of their Harvards and their MITs and their Stanfords, and they come into the workplace and they really don't know uh, what they're doing, and they and they don't necessarily you know have the right work ethic, and I think sometimes they just really don't know." how to do what it is they're doing. So if somebody's coming to work for Ben Greenfield, young person, fresh out of high school or fresh out of college, what do you want to see from that individual?
1: Here's the number one thing that I think gets in the way of hard work. We are now living in a society where multitasking and shallow forays into, you know, brief 140 character texts or tweets or quick articles or short form content predominates and it's very seldom that a young person nowadays can simply pick up a book and focus on reading yeah. that one book perhaps for an hour and a half or two or, um, or, or, or for example uh, communicate via long-form content by writing in, in, in a, a way that clearly communicates their thoughts 2,000 to 3,000 words rather than a sentence or two or simply whipping out the phone and shooting a video. This idea that our brains have slowly changed to become adapted to quick bouts of producing content or digesting content combined with working on multiple things at the same time because technology has allowed us to do that has created a state of hypo-focus. And what I'm looking for is someone who is able to do, as Cal Newport says in his book of the same name, the deep work, to focus Mm. for long periods of time and engage in one single task at a very high quality and deep level. And if if someone is able to do that, I think that's number one. Number two is no matter what business that you go into, and a modern philosopher and and thinker, uh, Naval Ravikant, wonderful man, He's a good guy to, to follow on, speaking of, uh, of Twitter or, or on his blog. You know, He says that no matter what sector you go into, there are five skills that will serve you well. Being able to read and digest content in a pretty quick and efficient manner, being able to produce and express your thoughts clearly in written content, being able to grasp basic arithmetic and mathematics, being able to engage in persuasion slash rhetoric. And also having a good knowledge of logic slash computer programming. Mm. If you can read, write, do good math, and persuade slash engage in rhetoric, or have a good understanding and grasping of logic slash computer programming, then you're going to be well-equipped no matter what you go into, an engineer, a physician, an author, etc.,
0: that's great. Oh, that's great advice, man. I love that. And it, I've got, uh, I've got a few of uh, Joe Rogan's podcasts that I have kept. Um, it's one of the few podcasts that I subscribe to. And I've got, I've got a handful, probably have eight, nine episodes that I have kept over the course of many years. You've, you're one of those, but, uh, Naval too is, is po- quite possibly one of my favorite podcast episodes of all time on any platform. Um, brilliant human being. And that's, that's great advice there too. So good. Um, a- another guy that, that I've kept some stuff too, is, is Jocko Willink. And, and one of his famous, you know, sayings is discipline equals freedom, right? So what is something now? And this is an interesting question for you because you're a man that develops, uh, um, you know, I know you have quite a routine uh, throughout the day too. So, what is something that you've developed discipline around? Um, you know, creating a routine around that you don't necessarily even love doing, but you know that you need to do it. And It's kind of a meat to an end.
1: Yes, and speaking of routine, I I have another call that started a couple of minutes ago. I'm so I sorry. Yes, you do. Very routine schedule. But let me go ahead and, and answer this question for you. Um, if, if there's one thing that I am typically not wanting to do or feel as though it's the one thing during the day that could be sacrificed because at first glance, it seems mildly unproductive. It would be my spiritual discipline of meditation, journaling and reading of scripture. If I skip that in the morning, I free up an extra 20 minutes that inevitably comes back to bite me by mid afternoon because I'm stressed out. I'm not operating in a spirit of abundance. I'm not connected to my creator And I'm not physiologically or psychologically in a good place, despite it seeming like something that would be very simple to skip, or it seeming like that frog you wouldn't want to eat. I can get up in the morning and crush kettlebells and a hard workout and go climb a mountain with 60 pounds on my back and not even think twice about that in the morning, yet I'll resist meditation, journaling, and devotional reading uh far more readily and so that's the one thing that i've really had to discipline myself to do is to take the quiet time to care for my spirit and my soul just as intensively as i might care for my body or my brain so good man i love that
0: and i don't want to take up. you've already given so much your time and i'm so appreciative to work people can go to to give them the give them the book title so we can go get that as well and then i want you to get your get to your other stuff what's the book called
1: yeah. My book is called boundless and you can get it at boundlessbook.com. It's called boundless upgrade your brain, optimize your body and defy aging.
0: Love it. I cannot wait to read it. It is already on the way. Ben Greenfield. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you for going over to, I appreciate you very much and appreciate you pouring into these kiddos. Good stuff, man. With Mr. Ben Greenfield, short and sweet. We didn't get to finish all of the questions, but some great perspective there. It's what happens when you got a, a busy schedule, man. So, um, grab the book. Follow him at Ben Greenfield, BenGreenfieldFitness.com. Check out his podcast as well. Uh, the guy is is an experimenter by nature. He's always got something new going on, and um, you will always learn a ton by following him. So, I appreciate you guys listening. Please feel free to share, comment, subscribe, throw it out there to other people. Let people know what we are doing for these kids here, and we will catch you next time on. Another episode of The Essential Eleven.